You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. We actually do it because our music is built around improvisation. Most of our songs are somewhere between eight and ten minutes long. And uh, when we work with them before recording, they can be... I mean, one day when we play it, it's like seven and a half, and the ne next day it's nine. We, that's how it works with us. So when we enter the studio, uh, we play the song for a few times, and when it feels right, we start recording. And once that is done, and, and we choose one of the recordings, that is how the song will turn out. That is what's ending up on a record. And from that day, that is how we're playing the song. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you've been having a glorious week so far. I most certainly have been. Super stoked to announce that I have teamed up with Indie Merch Store to bring you the official Vox and Hops Metal Podcast merchandise. You can go to my website, Vox and hops.com slash merch that's v-o-x-a-n-d-h-o-p-s dot com slash merch to check out all of the amazing merchandise that is available there you can also use the promo code voxhops10 that's v-o-x-h-o-p-s 10 at checkout and you will save 10% off of your entire purchase before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there is someone in your life that enjoys metal and craft beer, let them know about the podcast. You can tell them that there are over 280 episodes available on their favorite podcast platform for them to go back and listen to with some of the world's best metal artists and brewers. If you were to encourage someone to become a future Vox and Hopshead, I would be extremely grateful. Now, on today's episode, I'm with Martin Widholm of Doomcraft. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 286. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Martin Vindholm of Doomcraft. How are you doing, Martin? It's really cool to be with you. I'm doing great, thanks. This is like the first days of summer in Sweden. First hot day, sun out. Good, good. And sa sadly, you're stuck inside with me, but I appreciate you taking the time to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with a shitty question so we can dance into nicer territory afterwards. How did you cope with the glorious year that is now behind us of 2020? Oh, it's tough. I mean, band-wise, it was... Uh, we spent a lot of time working with material. We recorded Seeds, the album, we're, and it was uh, tough for us, you know, to release an album that we've been working with for so long, not being able to, to play shows. Mm -hmm. you, so... Um, linked together you know you release something you go out you meet the audience and talk to people so there was obviously something missing for us uh, which was kind of sad actually so when when we were finished recording we just started immediately to write new stuff really? and record things again just to have something to do we don't want to lose pace and and we we did um, a streamed set i don't know if you saw that like two weeks ago or something. Day of Doom. Yeah, exactly. Festival, like thing. Uh, Magnetic Eye hosting it, uh, which was super fun because we haven't played for like 
think it's 14 months or something like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was almost a bit scary, but we it was only friends of us uh, doing the photography. So it turned out great, actually, and it felt good. So we really want to get out there now. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you covered m so much ground in that one question, and I love that. And we're going to go over each of those points a little bit slower and a bit more detail. Uh, I do agree that it's crazy being an artist myself. You work so hard on a record. You put your heart and soul into it. You get it out there into the world. And without being able to go out there and to actually perform it and to see the, how the audience reacts to it, as opposed to just reading comments or getting those messages from fans, it's it's a very different world to, to not be able to connect. Very much so, yeah. With an audience in a human face-to-face -face context. So, so it's coming back. I'm personally looking forward to it. Uh, and I'm sure that you are as well. <laughs> but Very much so, yeah. To, to, to put so much effort into an, into an album and not have that, I guess you could say, reward as an artist to get that human interaction afterwards. It's very much a, a reward, actually. And, and I actually think that I don't know if I can feel that the album is released yet because I have... I've only talked to people listening to it at home, <laughs> mostly. And, and the thing is that you don't know the quality of the, of the material until you've played it live. So That's true. It's very hard to do. Sometimes, sometimes like with Cryptopsy, we'll think that this is the song. This is the song. People are going to go crazy when we play this song. And then we play that song and we're like, we're never playing that song again. It just doesn't work in a live <laughs> context. <laughs> It's happened a few times, actually. It's it's quite actually quite funny that, that we we anticipate a certain song being a big crowd pleaser, and then it totally doesn't connect with them for some reason, and it ends up being this other song that we didn't even value in Same that aspect. Here. Very interesting. <laughs> the, the crazy thing about that is that it changes too. Mm -hmm. I mean, songs that didn't work that good live, like four years ago or something, can be amazing now mm -hmm. because I think we changed too. So. <laughs> and it changes from market to market as well, like a European crowd versus a U.S. crowd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Funny, funny how that happens. Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their life, music, and craft beer. Now, uh, what beer do you have on your side there, Martin? We're going to be sharing virtually today. Well, actually, it's a funny story because um, we are um, really fond of beer and craft beer in the band, and most Swedish people are nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did not know that this interview was going to be about that <laughs> oh, we did not have that much beer home <laughs> actually we're having a barbecue in the yard right now but uh, they don't drink craft beer today so what i'm drinking today is this which is called folk girl people's beer in sweden okay you know we have a state monopoly on on selling uh, wine and liquor and stuff the system bogalet exactly system bologet which we could talk for hours about mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> But that, uh, the thing about that is you cannot buy craft beer in, in any grocery store. Uh, you have to go to a special place, Systembolaget. And that is closed on Saturdays after 3 o'clock. And uh, Martin, our bass player, called me like an hour ago and said, do you know that you're supposed to talk about beer today? <laughs> and I didn't. No stress <laughs> so whatsoever. This one today. It's an interesting story, actually, because craft beer is a huge thing in Sweden. We have breweries in every part of town, in every town in, in, in the country, actually, as in the U.S. Uh, but people's beer is a very important thing if you want to understand Swedish beer culture. This is the kind of standard beer that you buy in um, any gas station, any grocery store. Uh, that is what you grew up drinking when you were out 
skateboarding or hanging out with friends and stuff. It's a, it's about 3.5% ABV, right? It's a, the, all the ones that you buy outside of the system Bogalit exactly. are, are, have to be below 3.5% ABV. Yeah. And they were actually quite boring uh, until five or ten years ago when it totally exploded. And now you can buy really good uh, standard beer in any grocery store, uh, store because it's, yeah, it's a big market nowadays. I love it. And I've been speaking to a bunch of Swedish artists, so so I, I'm very, very well versed in the... the the culture of craft beer going on in Sweden and the explosion that happened. And it's cool that the, 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 you know, be having a rigid system, they still got creative despite having to have the low ABV. Yeah. Which is refreshing on my side. I'm going to be drinking, uh, a Czech-inspired Pilsner uh, by a brewery here uh, just outside of Montreal in Aylmer, Quebec, near Gatineau. Uh, it's called Citadin. It is a Czech-inspired Pilsner because you can't have a Czech Pilsner unless you're in Czech, in my opinion, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, Second Baron, one of uh, Quebec's most popular new young breweries. They're just over a year old, and they make killer, killer products all the time. I'm going to pour this out. And you're going to tell me about your very first people's beer, because I imagine that was also the first beer that you drank. And that's normally the, my, my next question is, what is your what was your first beer? And I'm assuming it was that one. Well, actually, that story will be about the same. Uh, if you ask any Swedish guy, it will be like the same thing. It's something that you had somewhere outside hanging out with friends. You were um, that could change, of course. I guess I was like 15 or 16 or something. Uh, I really remember it. Uh, I don't remember the actual moment of the first time, but I remember the period in in my life. You know, we started to listening to to punk rock. Everyone was skateboarding. Not me that much. I was starting to play guitar. We discovered you could drink beer. You know, uh, life was kind of opening up, becoming something new. So, uh, people here for for people in Sweden is the part of, of growing up being. Uh, grown-up person i love that cheers cheers to your first beer and cheers to still enjoying <laughs> it today i think that's amazing i would definitely not drink my first beer today <laughs> mainly because it doesn't exist anymore i would probably actually would try it again but it's been discontinued it was called lucky lager it was horrible it was malty it was warm it was i think it was it was over five percent because here in quebec we don't care <laughs> about <laughs> taking care of ourselves we like to punish ourselves with high abv beers and it was it was a wild night. <laughs> How about your first craft beer? Uh, the the culture in Sweden is just massive, and the explosion is crazy. Well, do you remember your, the first time you had a beer outside of the three point five percent realm? Well, actually, I've been interested in, in in cooking and and food and culture around that for a long time. So, I've been. Uh, I mean, years ago, I was working partly as a bartender too, and at that time, things were mostly about wine and. And I was talking a, a lot at work about wine, serving it to people and, and, and stuff like that. I remember, I don't remember when craft beer arrived, so to speak, but I remember the change when when uh, restaurants and bars started to use the kind of brand uh, they were pouring on tap as a selling point. Mm-hmm. And that was like 15 years ago, I think, or something, wow. something okay. like that. But I don't think it was until like 10 years ago that you could see in Systembolaget, as you uh, call it, uh, on the shelves, that it just exploded. And and now it's a big thing, actually. If you're interested in going to a restaurant of, of higher quality, they will have uh, 
lots of beers and, and, and uh, li- lists of them uh, combined to work good with the food and stuff like that. So it, it's a super cool thing. Uh, and especially in the larger towns of Sweden, it's it's massive, you know. It's so exciting. I, I love the creativity of it all and how it ties into food and into experiences and into our lifestyle nowadays. It's, it's just truly amazing. And I can't wait to come back to Sweden and play shows, you know, firstly, but also explore the massive beer culture that's going on. (laughs) (laughs) I did last time, but I'd like to go even further. Uh, Let's talk about you growing up, uh, the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents or guardians house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? I mean, I grew up listening to, to classic hard rock, um, a bit like that, because I have relatives who were much older than me and, and, uh, they were listening to Van Halen and Pink Floyd and and, and stuff like that. So I grew up uh, thinking that that's what you're going to do. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was like 12. I think I bought my first electric when I was 13. I was not that into to anything else than, than what I'd been trained to like. That was Pink Floyd, Marillion, stuff like that. Um, but when I was like, I don't remember exactly when, but perhaps 14, 15, I discovered punk rock and... and uh, that was through skateboard culture. All my friends were skateboarding. Uh, some of us was not skateboarding, but playing that kind of kind of music, listening to a lot of uh, punk rock and, and hardcore, actually. So that's how I started up by listening to, of course, the Ramones, but it was like Gang Green and uh, Bad Religion and stuff like that. I started playing guitar, playing uh, songs with three chords. <laughs> Just play, playing along to them, just by ear. Yeah, and that's an amazing way to, to learn, too, to learn with your friends in, in your rehearsal space. Uh, took us like a month, and then we had a set with eight or nine songs. Just another, another beautiful thing about Sweden is that you guys have such uh, appreciation for the arts, so there's a lot of funding for music yeah. for children yeah. of 12 years old. Then you have jam spaces, which are basically provided by the, the government, right? Yeah, exactly. We have uh, state-funded rehearsal spaces. So we were like, I think we were 16 when we got our first own rehearsal space, shared with other bands, of course, but uh, it's an amazing thing for, for young people to be able to do that. So that is, of course, one of the keys to why there is a lot of music coming from Sweden. Exactly, exactly, yeah. That's definitely what I think, too. You're getting your own re- rehearsal space and drinking at 16. How correlated was that? <laughs> a bit, perhaps. But actually, it wasn't that much about the drinking. It, it was very much about the culture around punk rock, the p- politic stuff, uh, skateboarding. Uh, uh, I grew up in a very small town, uh, and all of us in the band did. Uh, and things around that time, it's a long time ago now, was very much about being something else than uh, the typical guy, you know. Uh-huh. It was almost like you, you had to choose between doing sports, um, playing chess, or doing something else. And we did something else, which was, yeah, hanging out somewhere, uh, playing music and, and, and stuff like that. So it was like a small community actually growing uh, and uh, the funny thing is that most of the people I was hanging out with at that time, I still know them. Many of them are close friends living in Stockholm now. That's when you make your choice, right? If you're going to go one way yeah. or the other way, am I going to be following the rules and doing what I'm supposed to do with my life? Or am I going to 
carve my own path. And if you choose to carve your own path with a group of people, you tend to stay on that path together. That's 100% true. And it's the same thing in Montreal. Um, being from Montreal and having so many prolific bands being from here, it almost seemed possible to become a rock star one day. You know, I jammed in the same building Cité 2000 as Cryptopsy before I was in Cryptopsy I knew that they had like oh. this rumored top floor was all theirs and uh, they were the big stars of the building and I'd see them crossing in the hallways and you know despised icon jam their cataclysm jam there back in the day so it seemed feasible to become a rock star one day it was the same thing with you in being from Sweden because there's so many bands yeah very much like that actually you know there is a classical heavy metal Swedish scene uh, and it was very much happening when I was a young kid. So you saw Swedish bands not that much older than me making international careers and really making it, you know, playing the US, playing Europe and stuff like that. So, uh, of course, it was, um, that was the thing we were going to do. Everybody thought that <laughs> it's just a matter of time, you know. <laughs> but you made it. <laughs> I made it. Many years later. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your first shows. How about the first show that you went to go see? I don't remember. You know, we played our first show. I think it was in the school, in our school. When we played, we were like 14 or something like that. Uh, I remember, still remember the first show when I discovered that music is something really different in life. And that was seeing a Swedish uh, garage rock punk rock band called called union carbide productions i don't know if you heard them no i have not no uh they toured with nirvana in the 90s oh cool amazing band playing uh, wild and crazy fast out punk rock uh and they were very new and the sound they had was very new at the time actually it was when you know uh, I, I remember bands like nirvana and of course bad religion and, and stuff like that but Especially when Nirvana happened and the Bleach album came and, and their first album was new. It was so fresh, something that you've never heard before. And and people, older people, that would at that time be people being 18 or 20, I was like 16 or 14, uh, they did not understand it. And that was kind of like the power within it. This is our music, you know, nobody else does this. Uh, and uh, they played a local show in, in the small town I came from, and it was totally amazing. I still remember, I saw it with some friends, um, uh, and some of them, uh, the people in the band I played at the time. And after the show, uh, we went, <laughs> we took our bikes to our rehearsal space, and we decided while riding that we're going to throw every song away. We're starting from no you. No way. Yeah. And we did. You did that a lot at that time, though. <laughs> Let's scrap it all. We're not good enough. We can do better. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that's an artist, right? We're never satisfied. And that's, that's the first steps towards becoming something and somewhere is, is to be looking at your art and saying, I could do better. And then just doing that. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's, and to yeah. have that, that mindset being so young is very cool yeah. rather than just sticking it out. No, we got 48 songs. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Let's talk about Seeds. Brand new record. Dropped April 30th via Magnetic Eye Records. Killer record. Uh, recorded live. Is that is that my correct? Did you guys record this live off the ground at Welfare Sound Studios? We always record everything live, yeah. I do some guitar dubs yeah. after, of course. I have to do that. But uh, 
everything is recorded in one long session, yeah. Uh, and all this guitar solos and stuff is recorded live, yeah. See, that's a, a forgotten thing. Nobody does this anymore. What, 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 what is the re I know the reason why, but I'm curious as to hear why you do it this way. We actually do it because our music is built around improvisation. Uh, most of our songs are somewhere between 8 and 10 minutes long. We have shorter songs, but most of them are. And uh, when we work with them before recording, they can be... I mean, one day when we play it, it's like seven and a half, and the ne next day it's nine. We, that's how it works with us. When we enter the studio, we know the vocal parts are always the same because it has to work out, Martin. Uh, but the solo parts, the intros, and, and uh, you know, when we just pound a riff for a while, that's really different. So when we enter the studio, uh, we play the song for a few times, and when it feels right, we start recording. And once that is done and, and we choose one of the recordings, that is how the song will turn out. That is what's ending up on a record. And from that day, that is how we're playing the song. Wow. That's stressful. And, th and that's when, <laughs> yeah, it can really be, you know. And, and guitar dubs is really painful for me, too, because I have never played it exactly like that before. So that can be stressful, actually, in the studio. Um, but something that is really interesting, when, when we did our uh, stream set mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, uh, actually it turned out to be like 30 seconds longer than the album. So we actually played it almost exactly the same way as on the album. And that's how it's supposed to, to be for us. It's a lot of improvisation until we enter the studio and then the song is like, yeah, it's finished. And then... That's how it sounds. Totally different than Cryptopsy. I, I think this is very interesting. We're a very calculated, finite machine where we go in and we know every little intricacy that's going to be there and it's been worked on and discussed and negotiated. <laughs> Whereas you guys, it's all about feeling and, and living in the music. I think that's very, very, very interesting. It must be... The song changes, though. I mean, yeah. The, the first album, we've, we've been playing those songs for like six years now live. And uh, we still play them in the same way, the same length as the album. But uh, the feel in the hands is different now. It sounds in another way, I think. And I think in a better way. We, we released a live album six months ago or something like that. Recorded in St. Vitus, Brooklyn. Yes, I love that place. Uh, and, and, and a few of the songs are from our first album. And you can really hear the difference there. It's, it's the same song, but it's played in a different way, actually. I was just thinking that as, as you brought up the live album, is that it's so much more interesting for you guys to do a live album versus Cryptopsy. Because the song <laughs> is being reinterpreted different versus us. We're just trying to play it as perfect as we can. <laughs> So a live Cryptopsy album would be very boring <laughs> in comparison to a live Doomcraft <laughs> record. And, and that's why you guys have been doing some. So the fans get a different experience. And I think that's, that's actually very smart and interesting. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States. 
and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about this uh, live stream. I, I've been doing lots of interviews, obviously. Um, throughout the pandemic and i always ask about doing a live stream i can't imagine myself doing one performing to the same um hyped uh intensity to a camera lens versus a live crowd to take me through your whole experience of uh, being a part of day of doom you, you mentioned it that you really enjoyed it at the beginning of the interview but i, I, I want to go deeper into this yeah it was strange actually because everyone we record our our uh, rehearsals actually so we're quite used to that yeah Almost every time. If, if we work a new riff or a new idea or a new song, we record it and listen to it at home and discuss it. Uh, so we're, we're really used to recording like that. Uh, and sometimes we record with video too, just to see how it works out. Uh, and we talked a lot about that before the stream. How are we going to do this, this to get, you know, the right live feeling, so to say? Uh, because that is sort of impossible to get the right feeling. Uh, there's no, there's no symbiosis. No, nah, I mean, w- without without the audience, that it, it's not, it's not really live. But <laughs> we we found a studio, actually the studio where we recorded our first EP years ago. Love it. Which is like uh, it's called Rothhandel in, in in Stockholm. It's a crazy place with uh, hundreds of old keyboards and and. Uh, it's like a mix between an art gallery and a studio, actually. Matthias, the, the guy um, who's in charge of it, is an amazing person working with progressive, progressive uh, metal bands and, and uh, progressive rock bands in Sweden. Uh, so we, we decided to record it there. Uh, and Björn Ateldax, the guy who does our cover work, uh, you've seen the cover of the, the album, I guess. Yes, it's, I have, yes made of uh, skulls and craniums and, and bones from different animals that he has torn apart and built new animals, actually. That's how it's made. Uh, and then, you know, it's a 3D thing. Uh, but we had uh, the, these creatures on stage and around the stage, uh, and we worked with smoke and lightning just to get another kind of vibe, another kind of feeling, so to say. So the animals was kind of facing us. They were the audience, so to speak. <laughs> and we had two guys with cameras shooting it. And yeah, it almost felt like a live thing. It wasn't the same thing, but it was something. It felt good. It's the first time. I don't think we will be a live streaming band, so to speak. I don't know if you call it that. That's um, why you, you created like an art piece. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which which is much more interesting than just playing in a room. Yeah, but you can see it if if you've seen it. You know, you can see that we're acting like if we're playing at home or something. It's not at all the same thing as being together with the audience and interacting with people. Soon. 
<laughs> soon. And that is the thing with, you know, if you work with improvisation a lot, uh, the audience is very important because you can see on them what they like and that changes the way you play, of course. That that happens on stage. You guys like vibe with the audience. You can say, "Oh no, we could bring this another four times." Yeah, of say. course. Oh. I mean, Martin and me, the, the bass player, we've been playing together for more than twenty years. We can uh, stay on a riff longer if we want to. I, I, we have that kind of yeah, the synergy together. Yeah, exactly. So very often we do that live. Actually, we can feel that this is really good. This is working. Let's stay here for a while, and then we do that. How does that? This is me just being an artist on tour how does that work when you got a time slot though and you have so many minutes that you have it to doesn't. play <laughs> note to self don't book doomcraft as an opening act got it yeah <laughs> let's talk about how you've been filling the void i'm very lucky i get to do these interviews uh, right before i sit down i'm wondering are we going to connect am i prepared enough um this fills the void of me performing on stage how have you been filling the void of performing well actually recording that's what we've been doing so as i said earlier we we started almost immediately to write new stuff uh, and we have other things coming out uh, within a year or six months or something because we we, um, we felt that we, we're not going to be able to play live we don't know when so we just started on working on new material immediately so we're releasing a, a split with another band i don't know if it's out yet which one though but <laughs> we did uh, and we recorded an acdc cover for a redo album that magnetic guy is doing amazing uh, which was scary in a way you know being a guitar player and doing yeah. an acdc song let's, let's, but how <laughs> is it is a re a reimagining of an acdc track or is it a cover cover i would say a cover in a way but we're playing it our way so it, it's Night Prowler, and it's one of our favorite ACDC songs nice. of all time. But we did it the Doomcraft way, so, you know, it's slower, and ah, you have to hear it. It's, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it was fun. A bit scary, but fun. Let's let's talk about a Doomcraft brew. If you can do, I'm, like, super involved in collabs. I like making beer collabs. Uh, your friends Summoner are a part of Brutal North America, where I hooked them up with Gilded Skull and Widowmaker, and they made a Summoner brew. What would be a Doomcraft brew? What style of beer, and what would you call it? Oh, I guess we would call it uh, Riff Hook Repeat or something like that. That's, I like that, um, actually. Yeah. The, the print thing that we have on our T-shirts yep. uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know what it would be, actually. I suppose... An American pale ale of sorts. Uh, actually, uh, Anderson, Martin, they are really specialists in the field. You know, they are untapped guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> better than me, actually, <laughs> in the, talking about beer culture and stuff like that. But I, I guess it, that's what it would be. If you were to do uh, a Doomcraft beer, it would be an American pale ale that you can drink all the time okay, you, riff, you riff it you hook it you repeat it exactly <laughs> i love it what has been the best part of covid for you the shining light the the silver lining of covid for you i guess that would be uh, slowing down the pace uh, i mean personally it you spend much time with your family and you can't do anything but that uh, we have been able in Sweden to, to go to our rehearsal space. 
that's how it's been. So we have been playing a lot and um, together and just fooling around with the idea of the Doomcraft sound. So trying to change it, not change it actually, but working with it. Prodding uh, it to evolve. Yeah. Um, it would, what is it? We never really discussed our sound actually, hmm. um, because we're not um, classically skilled musicians. When we play, this is how it sounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, we couldn't do it in another fashion. I don't think so. This is how it sounds when Doomcraft plays. So when we decide to do something different, it's usually doing something really slow or something lighter in a way like that. So we've been experimenting a lot. Uh, but usually it actually turns out to be Doomcraft. <laughs> <laughs> it's slow, it's heavy, it's uh, repetitive. Hypnotic, keeping us in the zone. I love it, I love it, I love it. One last question, classic wrap-up question. Probably doesn't happen to you very often because you're drinking the people's beer today, which is a low ABV brew, but every once in a while, let's say you know, you're know you at St. Vitus and you're having too many non-low ABV brews, you end up with a hangover. So what is your hangover cure? <laughs> I would say take a long walk listening to music. Love it. That's a great aim. I actually do that without a hangover because I'm really fond of long walks. That would be my... <laughs> now you have time to do that. <laughs> I think. <laughs> when you're on tour, you're always carrying stuff too. So <laughs> you're true. carrying like amps and guitars and loads of stuff so you don't have the time to think about headache you just work that's true that's true so if you bask in a hangover i tend to find that it's worse as opposed to being active and, and moving your body elsewhere and moving your mind elsewhere mind over matter martin thank you so so much for taking the time having a chat with me everyone go listen to seeds it came out april 30th via magnetic eye records i'm super stoked about it martin thank you so much this is a great chat i really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me thank you for having us cheers cheers Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a blast connecting with Martin. I love how different Doomcraft and Cryptopsy are as their approach to creating music, as their approach to recording music. I thought that was super interesting. I can't wait to hook up with Martin next time he comes to Montreal or if I'm over there in Sweden. I think we're going to have a good time together. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You could do that on my website, Vox and Hops. Com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. There is a lot of things going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, so I would hate for you to miss a single thing. So please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I will be back next week with three episodes and I have to tell you that next week's episodes will be the last episodes for an entire month. That's right. I am taking one month off from releasing episodes the whole month of August. There will be no new Vox and Hops episodes. So next week's episodes will be the last episodes for a whole month. So get ready for those. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.